everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. You know, in the programming and development world, it's typically very strongly recommended that when you're doing changes, especially major changes, that you don't do them in your production environment. Something tells me that you're about to announce that you did changes in our production environment. Well, apparently nobody got the word to our web host and their template editor that that's probably, you know, they should have a similar type of thing so that if you want to go and try something, see how something looks, maybe make a minor tweak that it's not necessarily done immediately to your live site and you can't go back to how you had it before. So basically, if you were on our site this morning, Sunday morning, and you saw things look a little wonky, it's all Michael's fault. Well, more than just that, we have a new site design. (laughs) I think this may be the only time in the history of the universe that someone has announced a new site design prefaced by, things went a little wonky. (laughs) They didn't really so much go wonky as... Gee, what happens if I do? Oh, that's live. And, I <laughs> and that's Wait, what there, happens. There's no undo button. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm glad I was away from a computer while you were screwing up the site. It It's better-ish now. <laughs> Better-ish. I, well, it's, it's different. Excellent. I, I think it's got a more focused design. Which is kind of interesting because focused is not a descriptor that I like to use for us. Yeah, I know. Isn't that, isn't that a little <laughs> odd there? Yeah. Figure that, that one out. That is not one of our core competencies. Yeah. Sort that one out. Wrap your head around that, as it were. Go us. <laughs> so, um, are you in withdrawal? Not quite because there was actually – quite a bit that went on this weekend or this week next week that may be a different story but right now there's we actually have a lot to talk about Let, let's start off with the final race of the season where the on track action was mediocre but we expected it to be mediocre so that was unusual for this season remember we have categorized the 2012 2012 2015 yes <laughs> season as the races that should be exciting weren't and the races that shouldn't have been exciting were yeah pretty much and abu dhabi not classically an exciting race yeah a lot of reasons for that we're not going to go into them although there was i think it was leading up to the qualifying it was a great little video by alan mcnish on the bbc's coverage of he was explaining how one of the turns work and why it's actually kind of difficult it's essentially it's an off-camber turn which is in, on a turn it is considered on camber. The inside of the turn is lower than the outside. Mm-hmm. But this turn, it's the opposite way around. The inside of the turn is higher than the outside, dramatically higher to the point where he took an F1 tire to illustrate it because it's really hard to see on TV. He took an F1 tire and put it at the apex of the corner and let it go. And it rolled away from him. As expected. Quickly. And he ran to go check. Mu- much much faster than he expected it to get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> and then we saw little Alan McNish run after his tire. Yes. <laughs> um, my favorite description of the track leading up to the race was Cothard 
trying so desperately. And Cothard, you know, he's a company man. He is wired to be positive in mm-hmm. so very many ways. Mm-hmm. Keep team orders. That was a picture of his career. So when Cothard says, this is not a track the drivers particularly like. Yeah. Pretty much says to me, this track is rubbish. Yeah, kind of close. But along the same lines, this is in terms of the parties and the money and everything else. This is like Monaco Part 2. Oh, there is that. So I'm guessing our party animal, Lewis, was having a great time. There were quite a few pictures in his social media feed about all of the things that he's been doing. But, you know, before we get there, let's talk about some of the things that came out of the race. There were Mercedes this time, after turning around and saying that they weren't going to change how they run the cars while the guys could race, they weren't going to change how anything, they're not changing how they call strategy, they're not going to do what everyone's saying of just let them call the strategy. Mercedes let the drivers call the strategy. And then towards the end of the race, Mercedes said, yeah, Lewis, you can't make up a mind, make up your mind. We're making a decision for you. Do it this way. Ah. Which is essentially what happened. What we didn't hear. Now, Mercedes has, admits that they responded to the criticism that came out of Brazil that they were basically uh, doing remote control. They, they did not allow Lewis to make a decision as to tires, and they feel that that didn't allow Lewis to compete as effectively as he wanted to because Mercedes was looking to protect that one-two, and mm-hmm. they had that. So this time— and. Mercedes or, or Toto Wolf's tune didn't change until like the day before the race. That oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna let things run a little looser. What we didn't hear is apparently there was a lot of communications during the race between Lewis and the pit crew um, that was kind of indecisive, which was why at some point the decision was made by Mercedes we're gonna do it this way. Mm-hmm. Enough of the games. That being said, Lewis's pace is still off. Yes. Um, along the same lines, you know, we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, and I should say along the same lines of Mercedes. We spoke about this a few weeks ago that there were rumors flying around of some bad blood between um, Toto Wolf and Nikki Lauda. Yeah. Um, but nothing ever came out. Nothing that we saw, nothing officially. Except this past weekend, in response to some of those rumors, apparently, and I'm not sure whose um, who's social media came on, but the two of them, Nikki and Toto, posed for a picture of them walking to the paddock hand in hand. Okay, so wait a minute. Let's review. Not, not, stroke, not stroking Nikki's bottom. Well, I, I was just going <laughs> to I'm starting to worry about Toto. He's rubbing the, uh, Lewis's butt. He says and, it's the thing they do in Austria. And he's holding Nikki's hand. Nikki's Austrian too. I thought he was German. No, he's Austrian. Oh, so maybe that is a thing they do in Austria. See? Nikki Lauda is not German. He is Austrian. It shows, it shows you how much I know about, you know, the difference between Germans and Austrians. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Toto Wolf did come out this week and say that uh, talk of a rift at the top of the team is rubbish. Um, he says, you know, in every successful organization, there's going to be different viewpoints and angles. There's going to be falling outs every so often, but um, 
they still have a decent relationship. They're, the the team is still functioning despite any reports of heated discussions that they have had. Well, that's good to know. One of the odd events of the weekend, and considering Williams, Williams has talked very strongly that they need to sort out their technical issues, mm-hmm. especially around the pits. Well, one of them was this early release, and, and I'm using the FIA's terms to describe the incident because the FIA has a different opinion than at least Rob Smedley has. <laughs> the early release of Valtteri Bottas from the pits where he then collided with the back of Jensen Button, not doing any damage to the McLaren. Um, apparently, the, the delayed the McLaren pit crew because they were afraid to come near the car because they didn't know what was going to happen with the car. They were concerned it was going to go spinning, spinning into them. Um, it did, however, damage um, Valtteri's front wing and pretty much destroy his race and any chance he possibly had of gaining on Kimi. Well, and keep in mind that going into the final race of the season, one of the only battles that we had left to sort was the Battle of the Fens. Yeah. One point separated them in the championship, and Kimi was ahead of Valtteri on the grid. So, you know, what I think Williams would be awesome if they could get out of their own way. Well... It has been a weakness for the last few years, these small little things going on in the, in the pits. They've had problems with wheel nuts. They've had problems getting wheels off. They've put a mismatched set of tires on a car. Valtteri's, nonetheless. Uh-huh. It's like they are targeting him with well, their errors. No, because Felipe has, has had his fair share of stuck wheels and slow pit stops and other issues along those same lines. It, Valtteri's not alone in that. This is this is a Williams issue that they've got to get sorted. Now, initially, and probably did not catch this over on in the U.S. broadcast, but um, Pat Simmons, who is one of the technical chiefs over at Williams, from the pit wall spoke to the BBC, and the BBC asked him. This was during the race. You know, what happened? Where was the problem? Was there a missed signal or something like that? And Pat Simmons came out and said, we screwed that up. We let him out too early. We, we think it was probably that the, the person who was controlling the signal, he got confused because there were two cars coming in. I believe it was a Red Bull and it was Jensen coming in. He, he triggered for the first car and didn't wait for the second car, and that's what caused the issue. And that's where we thought we were. Until Rob Smedley, who comes out and says, no, 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 no. We let him out exactly when he was supposed to be. It was it was good. This was Valtteri's fault. He didn't look, and he should have seen Jensen there and should have stayed out of the way. What? Now, to be clear, if you watch the video, the light turned green on their little signal, and Valtteri took off before Jensen had passed. But what Smedley says, we released him at the right point, but unfortunately he saw the McLaren too late. When he saw Jensen, he braked, but Jensen was in the part of the road that he was going to. We have a signal to the drivers that tells them traffic is approaching and they need to stay on the right-hand side or further towards the slow lane. He did that, but they just had a coming together because he saw Jensen too late. 
Yeah. This is what Rob Smedley says. Jensen says, you know, I saw that he was going to get released. Obviously, you're not supposed to as I was pulling in. I was bracing for the hit. It disrupted our pit stop quite a bit, and the boys were a, a bit scared when I came into the box, so we lost a lot of time. They obviously released him a bit early. I could see it coming as well. I watched that thing from every different angle that they showed it. Mm-hmm. They released him early. I, I agree. There's no chance that... I, I think Smedley's nuts. And not to mention the fact that that light means that it's clear to go. Mm-hmm. It's like you shouldn't have to look at that point. You could, you've got clear air. Yeah. You punch it, you go. They punched it, he ran into the back of Jensen. Yeah. Wow, revisionist history. Speaking of revisionist history, the Marshals did that this week. They did. Well, last week. One of the few incidents, beside, actually an earlier incident before the, the, the Williams incident, was between Fernando Alonso and one Pastor Maldonado. Shockingly. But shockingly, it was not Pastor's fault. He was merely a passenger in this whole thing. Which is amazing. But where the revisionist history comes in is that I would think to any normal person who was who watched the replay of what happened, they would probably also come to believe that Fernando was a passenger in this whole thing as well. The marshals, however, didn't see it this way. The marshals gave Fernando a five-second dri- drive-through penalty for causing a collision. What makes this muddy, and if you look at the whole thing, was Fernando got hit by Felipe Nasser which sent him spinning off into Maldonado and ended Maldonado's race. But they didn't say anything about the issue with Nasser that sent Alonzo spinning off. This obviously has ticked off Alonzo. You think? Yeah. But they're not going back and fixing it because they don't see it as being, they see it as two separate incidents, don't they? But they shouldn't, though, because it was a chain reaction situation. It I mean, was a chain reaction, and I don't think they ever investigated the Nasser hitting Alonzo. That's what seemed odd, was that it didn't happen. Well, the hit happened. The no, that, that, they, that the investigation didn't take the entire chain of events into consideration. That and is... I think they should have. Now, as you might imagine, um, Pastor Maldonado had something to say. Pray tell, did Mr. Pastor say. He said, it happened. This is racing. Imagine if it was the other way around. Big news. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least he gets it that, you know, if if he hits somebody, it's it's noteworthy. Well, it's noteworthy mainly because he does it all the time. Well, I think it's actually probably bigger news that, you know, Pastor got taken out of a race, not of his own fault. Actually, I was thinking it was bigger news that Fernando was involved in an incident and got penalized for it. That's true, too. That's true, too. Um, I recently saw a headline. I don't have any details around it, so forgive me for just dropping a headline and running. Mm -hmm. Um, Maldonado's position at Lotus may be insecure. Yeah, you know, we've heard both ways. We know that Lotus has confirmed them. However, and, and jump, you're jumping ahead a little bit, the, the 
deal with reno has closed and we'll talk a little more about that in a little bit oh okay okay um because first we're not done talking about fernando you know there was the the question of whether or not he might be sitting out 2016 because well it's fernando well no not so much that it's fernando it's more along the lines of his his frustration things like this I think he was a little frustrated. Just a little bit frustrated there. Just a wee bit. It's the scream at the end of GP2 engine that really gets Yeah, because, you know, he starts off, he, he seems a little calm there with the GP2 engine, GP2, but that scream, yeah, that just that pushes it right yeah. in. Um, however, he has come out and, and said that uh, he is actually fully committed to racing in 2016 with McLaren, despite the words that Ron Dennis said or the kind of squidgy dodgy answers he gave at one of the press conferences post qualifying. Ron Dennis was squidgy dodgery. No, Fernando Alonso was squidgy dodgy. Ah, because Ron Dennis is squidgy dodgery pretty much too. Well. Ron Dennis is he he's got his own little language there. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do wish they'd give subtitles to Ron Dennis. Yeah. So the last bit of news that we have regarding Abu Dhabi was Max Verstappen. Max. Max our, our who, young man. Who went on a tear. Unfortunately, the best that I can think of was he also did not completely understand how penalty points work on his license because after getting not one but or, or getting penalty points for not one but two different incidents this past weekend he is now just 4 points away from a race a one race ban in F1 right because the way this rolling worked, 12 months yeah it's it's a rolling 12 months he got his first points in Monaco so if he gets four more points between now and middle of May next year, he has earned himself a race ban. That will not make Daddy Jot very happy. Yeah. You know, the best I can think of is that he decided he was going to lay it all out on the line. And you know what? New year, last, last race of the season. I don't need to worry about this. Yeah, that's not quite how it works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's going to need to sort that one out. But... 2016 the schedule is out yes so for the fans who want to see more racing there is good news they have approved 21 races for the teams that want to be able to spend some time at home and actually work on a car and maybe you know go on vacation there is bad news (laughs) the fia has approved 21 races However, if you want to become a traveling mechanic, possibly for Williams. Williams has a few open positions. <laughs> they're, lo- they're looking for pit crew possibilities. They need pit crew yes. <laughs> Now, there is still the potential that even though that this calendar is approved, that we will not get all 21 races because... Austin, unfortunately, is still set as to be confirmed because of the, con- the issues with financing. However, there were some other s- bits and pieces in the new schedule that should be concerning to the folks in Austin besides the fact that they are pending confirmation. 
Mexico has moved up a week. Ooh. I, I think that that's really going to hit them hard when it comes to their attendance. I mean, it's possible that you may get folks who are going to try them back-to-back. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's improbable that they would be back-to-back. I mean, they're close enough together. If they're just that week apart, you could start the party in Austin and end it in Mexico City. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. But... I think that the people that you enjoyed that came up from Mexico to see Mexico and Central America to see the race in Austin are obviously going to just go as far as Mexico City. Either that or they're going to go down to to Brazil. But they had Brazil as an option before Mexico. Anyway, um, I'm thinking of, I mean, F1 is a, has a very large fan base in Mexico. So if, you could stay within your own country and see it. Why wouldn't you do that? Now, Circuit of the Americas has put out a statement on the their status on the calendar mm-hmm. as provisional. Uh, they're optimistic that things will work out for the U.S. Grand Prix to return to Texas and are glad to see the date held on the calendar. We thank the fans and local businesses for their support and well wishes as we enter our fourth year of building a home for Formula One and other great events. There is one other piece of news that, in general, we should be very happy about. What? Germany is back on the calendar with no asterisk. However, it is again in Hockenheim because it, it would have normally been Hockenheim. This right. Year. So, but there will be a race in Germany in 2016. Good news. Yay! <laughs> There's also one in Azerbaijan. Yeah, and... And they have a, a, a race the same weekend as Le Mans, but they're having to adjust. Well, it's that's Azerbaijan. Start, they're adjusting the start time to make sure that the race is concluded before the end of the Le Mans race. Right. So that they don't cross over viewership because there will be a crossover issue there. Well, it's not. Well, the big thing is the viewership, but uh, some of it, I think, also has to do with media packages and. and you know, if, if you've got the contract to carry both, how do you make that happen? I know. So, well, as, as we wrap up and wind down, we, we start hearing some franker comments from the drivers. Franker? Yes. We can get more frank than GP2 engine from Fernando Alonso or Button? Well, there's not much we can do when you're at the back of the grid. Well... You know, Lewis has commented uh, this week, and we'll get to hear more about it on the 12th when the BBC does their their season wrap-up special. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Lewis has commented on uh, his relationship with uh, his teammate Nico. Really? What does he have to say about Nico? He says um, he admits that relations between the two of them have cooled following a number of incidents in which Nico claimed that Lewis drove too aggressively. What Lewis said, you've seen he complains about a lot of things, but you kind of let it go over your head because that's just the way he is. It's kind of the different background we come from, I guess. So once again, we are sticking it to the, well, he grew up in, in Monaco living, you know, as the child of a, the 1982 world champion. And I came from dirt poor roots and Steven Inge and my parents split and dad worked three jobs and yeah. Wah, wah. Um, 
do you happen to have what our dear friend and butt-stroking head of Mercedes, Toto Wolf, has said about the Hamilton-Rosberg sibling rivalry? What, what did Toto have to say? <laughs> Toto says, basically, in a nutshell, get along or we're going to make a change. He, you know, he's been saying that for two years. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's been saying that since Spa last year. That they needed to sort it out and figure out how to get along or, yeah, somebody was going to have to leave the team. He's been saying that for a while. Well, apparently in a frank interview with Motorsport.com, Wolf described the tension between his drivers as being the biggest weakness Mercedes has. And it's gotten to an all-time low following um, the winning of the third championship. Um Wolf has said, I feel it is not aligned with the general consensus spirit and philosophy within the team. We might consider that when we take the decision in terms of drive, when we take a decision in terms of driver lineup. So it's get along or get over it. Yeah. Um, Now, Hamilton was asked about his spats with Rosberg and how he feels the team reacts to Rosberg. And he said... That Hamilton feels that Mercedes has to has felt a need to be extra warm to Rosberg because you know he loses a lot. He actually said those exact words. Well, I added that he loses a lot. Oh, part. okay. I was like, <laughs> wait, really? <laughs> he went there. <laughs> Th- thank you for for clarifying because that that um, yeah. That was I, a there was a, a parenthetical that, addition. That was a little bit of a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> you got excited there, didn't you? Um, anyway, he felt that the Mercedes team stacked the deck for Rosberg because he was feeling down after losing the title again. Well, he's he's made that claim a few times already. So Rosberg described that comment as an excuse because, you know, Lewis has been off his game. Well... We had theorized that, uh, and and we weren't the only ones, that after the race in Austin when Lewis won the championship, that he had kind of started to relax a little bit. Yes, he did. Well, we've got a little more information from Lewis on that now. Uh, He, again, told the BBC, uh, you still have to commit and work super hard, but for sure you're kind of like, my job is done. I wish the season was over. Wish I could go on holiday. But you still arrive at the next races. There's a lot of people in this team to continue to work. You've got to match them. It wasn't as successful as the rest of the year, but still second in those races was not too bad. Um, he's been asked if he felt satisfied to have won the title again despite criticism of his lifestyle away from the track. And he said, you know, up until this year, I would never really go out. I think last year I went out three times. I was just so focused, but it's too extreme. This year has been just a real transition for me. My friends would be like, hey, do you want to come out for a drink or just some dinner to do or do something? And in the past, I'd be like, no, I've got to do training. But now I make sure I do it and I do the training. You've got to have the balance. And this year, it's been amazing. It's been the most successful year of my whole career. It was just great that when people were writing those stories, I would turn up and I would perform. So I'm going to continue. Well, apparently, Ron Dennis, mentor to Mr. Lewis Hamilton, thinks that he has gone off the chain. 
Of course Ron does, because Ron used to keep him on about as tight a leash as possible. Well, you know, Ron has described himself as the surrogate father to the three-time world champion. And Lewis, I think, has made similar claims. Dennis said that if he, Hamilton, was at McLaren, he wouldn't be behaving the way he is because he wouldn't be allowed to. He's shaking off some chains he didn't want to have. And there's been a lot of talk. Lewis was making the comments in 2013 after leaving McLaren about how much different it was being over at Mercedes and having the freedom to do something like, hey, I don't like the color of that hat. I want a hat in a different color if you want me to wear your team hat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a way, and I don't think anybody, but maybe Eddie Jordan might have mentioned it. I don't think anybody quite thought this through, but Lewis grew up at McLaren. He did. And he was, he was 13 when he started with McLaren as an organization. And in a way, because you grow up there, nobody sees you as being anything but that 13 year old kid. And I think they continued to keep treating him like this, this kid, even after he won his first championship. And, of course, he had an opportunity to stand up for himself and get a hat that he liked and I, things like that. I, I don't think that's what it was. Ron Dennis is known to be extremely controlling. Remember, we talked last week that he had this, he had figured out what the perfect temperature for everything was supposed to be. That is the kind of person that Ron Dennis is. So, yes, he kept Lewis under his thumb because he keeps everybody under his thumb. <laughs> Well, we had talked about um, right before Brazil that Lewis had had an accident with his uh, Zonda. Yes. You had mentioned that he hit a parked car. Yes. Have you gotten the update that it was three parked cars? Uh, You know, I had heard something about that. Yes, it's three parked cars. And Lewis says, you know, that he's been running and burning the candle at both ends. and Yeah. So Fever. He had fever. Fever. Um, so somebody interviewed him about his, and I quote, hedonistic lifestyle. And he is... What the heck was this? The Christian science monitor that you were reading? <laughs> oh, it's the Guardian. Um, anyway. Oh, well, see, this is tame for the Guardian. <laughs> I know. I, well, actually, it's the Guardian. It's not the Mirror. So, you know, yeah. that. <laughs> um, so his answer was, I've been enjoying this year, like, if you only knew. That was the quote. I've been enjoying this year like it was my last. It has been unbelievable. I, it's just work hard, play hard. And when asked by a tabloid newspaper if he was shagged out, he smiled and rolled his eyes to the ceiling. He shagged out. <laughs> okay. You know, they, after that, I, I feel the need to play. Actually, it's a clip from Sebastian Vettel. But it was from Russia at the press conference. Go for it. I know you're waiting. You just told me that you're waiting for the girls to come over with you in the Radisson <laughs> Hotel, room number 708. But I think they've been standing all day, so I think they can sit down. No, I think yeah. you're free. Feel free to sit down. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you notice his voice got like three octaves higher there? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the last... I heard a comment in one of the bits of coverage that Lewis is already training for 2017 now, 
What I don't understand. Why did he give up on 2016? Yeah. S- since the rules haven't been, and that was the thing as well, you know, he's in, they're anticipating the big rules change. So he's training for that. And I'm like, well, we don't know what the rules are going to be or what the impact on anything is going to be. And we still have a year. Why are we looking at 2017? Because he's got this car left. Didn't you notice in the last three races? Yeah. Well, one of the things that is going to uh, be a new experience for him in 2016 is we have new tire rules coming and uh, some changes to the virtual safety car. Now, we still don't have a clarification as to how somebody can catch up to the guy in front of them under virtual safety car when they're not supposed to be able to do that. That, that we don't have sorted yet. What they've changed, at least for the virtual safety car, number one, is that you can now, they will now deploy the virtual safety car during practice sessions. So the idea is, you know, what we've seen in the past, since you don't normally get a safety car, is there's a major wreck and they red flag the session, but the clock keeps ticking. Mm-hmm. So the thought is they will run the virtual safety car. I still don't quite understand how that's going to work because you're still running slower. And, but they're, they're, they can deploy the virtual safety car during practice sessions. But the other thing is a change with DRS. Once virtual safety car goes away, DRS will be able to be used again immediately. It's not going to be the two-lap wait like they have with the safety car. Mm. But the other thing that it is official now that uh, drivers will get a choice from three different specifications of dry weather tire instead of currently two. In addition, there is a new compound being introduced. You know, currently we have... I'm going to put on the Steve Magic Magic hat hat. here. We have the uh, blue wet weather tire, the green intermediate tire, the white hard tire, the yellow medium compound tire, and yellow is the soft tire. Thank you. What's the white one? I thought that was the super softs. No, red is super soft. Then white's the mediums. Okay. The last compound that we now have, which we can only assume will be signified by the include. No, (laughs) no. Wait for it. The snuggle bear on the (laughs) sidewall, the ultra soft tire. (laughs) It's what you get for jumping ahead. You're going to have to edit out my cackling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're getting a snuggle bear tire? Yes. Truly, we don't have a tire that falls apart fast enough. It depends on the track. You know, as we have seen in Russia, even the super soft doesn't fall apart. True. You know, it, it truly does depend on the track. The same thing they're seeing over in Brazil now because of the new pavement there. The super soft lasts a whole lot longer. Now, the requirement under these new rules, they'll, even though they'll still have the three compounds available to them, drivers still have to use two different types of dry weather tire in the race. Um, the way this is going to work is, for starters, um, I lost it here. Okay. Pirelli will turn around and announce that uh, of the five dry compounds, what three are going to be available for the teams to select. From those three, the teams then select two, with Pirelli not revealing the choices um, until two weeks prior to the race. 
with the thought process being you make your decision and everybody makes their decision as to what compounds they're going to run, but they don't know what everybody else is doing until it's too late for them to change. So at two weeks out, you cannot change what you're going to run. So the thought there is that teams will run on dramatically different strategies. Guess what I predict? Okay. Teams will have thought it through, and they will all wind up with the same tire choices every time. I think it's going to truly depend on the cars themselves and how they're how they're handling the tires. I just but, don't think that you're going to wind up with dramatically different choices. I think you're well, going to I mean, wind you're going to have like, one tire. You're going to have one tire difference. Um, but it's that question of do you run for a while on a harder tire and then, you know, is your strategy that the last seven or eight laps you're going to go put on the Snuggle Bear tire and pick up a lot of – pick up a ton of time and possibly scythe through while everybody else is struggling with older tires or slower tires? I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Um, if the, the – the, the way this is, is supposed to work is the team first communicates their choices to the FIA, which in turn will inform Pirelli so they know how many tires to produce. Because remember, the tires are handmade, handmade, custom-made, and how the tires are distributed to the teams is completely random. It's a barcode. You scan a barcode. You get these tires. If the team uh, misses the deadline, the FIA will make the, de the decision as to what tires the team will run. Has Bernie figured out how to get a payment at this step in the process? Because He'll that only him. makes sense that this is going to be as complicated as this is going to get. He'll find him. So, it has finally happened. It has taken them long enough, but it has finally happened. Renault has come forward, and they have confirmed and completed and signed the papers to take over Lotus F1 and return to Formula 1 as a works team. Yeah. That is the most non-news news that has happened in 2015. Okay. I only say that, and I know that I've just burst your bubble because you're looking at me like, but I have this whole story here. We have been talking about this for what, nine, ten billion months? You know, we have, um, but we were on, and it looked for a while like it was the deal was completely going to fall apart. Um so this is this is having a high school boyfriend. Kind it's of. It's on again, off again. They passed a note to Bernie in study hall. It's on again, off again. Does he like me? Does he not like me? They're going to prom. They will be together until 2024. Ooh. This is a long-term deal. Um, we have also found out that Renault's position as a historic constructor is being honored and being maintained. They will be getting the special historic constructor jackpot money. Oh. Ooh. Well, you know, Bernie was fighting it. Yeah, well. And that, that's, that's what took so long, was apparently Bernie was fighting it. So in light of that, Lotus gets ready on this Monday for their final high court appearance for back taxes, which we can only assume Lotus is now going to pay. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> can only assume that. The other will they and won't they? 
And this actually did take a turn we did not expect. Red Bull has finally announced their engine partner. Two gerbils and a flywheel? No, they're actually going to be running a Renault engine. <gasps> Shuck! Branded as a Tag Heuer. Well, we kind of had rumblings that they were going to have an unbranded Renault or a different kind of branded Renault. No, the car and the engine will be known as the Red Bull Racing Tag Heuer RB12. The engine will actually be badged, even though it is initially produced and developed by Renault, will actually be badged as a Tag Heuer engine. Okay. Now, apparently... Wait, wait, wait one second. Okay. Tag Heuer is a watch manufacturer, correct? Well, that's why you shouldn't have interrupted me. Okay. Because this is not the first time that Tag Heuer has done this. Really? Um, McLaren actually ran tag-badged Porsche-supplied turbo engines from late 1983, starting with the MP41E through the MP43 of 1987. This is not a new thing for Tag Heuer. Yeah. <laughs> Things you didn't know when you're a new F1 fan. Be- because I assume the exact same thing of I-, I get the whole idea of precision engineering and all of that, and that stands for a, a high-end watch manufacturer. So, yeah, I kind of could see the jump, but it's still watches and not engines. And then I came across this whole thing about them branding the Porsche engines and giving them the McLaren. Okay, but I have a question. Okay. All right. Red Bull is a drinks manufacturer. Yes. But their whole thing is that Red Bull gives you wings. It makes you faster. It makes Mm -hmm. you better and whatever. So I get that. Mm -hmm. Tag Heuer is a watch manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Correct? Has it ever in the history of time been a good thing for watches to run fast? Not fast, but precise. I get where they're going with the precision, but at the core, an F1 car needs to be fast. It needs to be fast, but it needs to be well-designed and well-put-together and well-assembled. Okay, so that's the... That's the... That, that would be the way I see it. Um, a little more about Tag Heuer, though. Tell me more about Tag. Well, as we know... There was a 30-year partnership between McLaren and Tag Heuer, um, which just ended, along with, oh, McLaren's partnership with Vodafone in 2013 and Hugo Boss. However, this wasn't just simply an advertising partnership. Um, Ron Dennis, at one point, during the early periods of this partnership, controlled the sales and marketing of the company. He was also a shareholder as it went through several iterations and changes of ownership they had a falling out this this was not simply a matter of we're a marketing partner they were intertwined business-wise with each other with ron dennis having major stake in the company and controlling the direction of the company wow okay and he still managed to chase them away so what did Ron do that chased Tag away? That's what's not clear. Um, he says that there was, they obviously had 
a falling out. Um, he said there was a particular moment in Monte Carlo that he didn't feel was positive, so the thread was cut. Um, some of it is that um, the current owner and chief of Tag Heuer was looking for other ways to uh, market and sponsor the company. And as he put it, as Ron Dennis puts it, I didn't share his view on a radical approach to sponsorship that I felt was inappropriate for our brand. Now, initially, when I read this, I'm thinking he didn't think it was a great idea for Tag Heuer to be going and branding an engine that was going to end up in a car, except that they've done that before under Ron Dennis. Right. So that theory went right out the window. Mm-hmm. So I, I truly don't know. But I didn't know that that was that deep of a partnership. I just thought that it was deep, and for them to suddenly pick up their toys and go home. Yeah, he must have really pissed some people off. Well, it's Ron Dennis. Are we really surprised by that? Okay, it's, it, it's like Ron Dennis pisses people off like Maldonado crashes. Alrighty. Um. Also, non news. Non news. Non news. It is official. Toro Rosso has completed the deal for them to run 2015 Ferrari engines next year. Because apparently somebody can't read the calendar that is 2016 and think it's okay to run last year's engines. Not news. I wonder how Max and Daddy feel about that plan. Maybe it'll help Max get his seat at Ferrari because that's what they're looking for. That's that's what I think is more likely. Um, also coming, word on the street is that Force India is close to finalizing a deal for Aston Martin's F1 return. They think it will be another 10 days or so before they are ready to announce something. Right. So we'll keep an eye on that before the end of the year. The team would be known as Aston Martin Racing with Johnny Walker colors. By the way, Renault's return will be the return of their yellow colors. Ooh, that would be nice. I mean, Sauber's got the bright blue, but we don't have that bright yellow on anywhere on the track. Well, Sauber does. It's I mean, there's yellow the, in the, the blue. Yeah, but... The Banco de Brazil branding of the car. Right. Um, speaking of Sauber, a rumor has come out this week that in 2017, Sauber could become Honda's second engine customer. Because they're hoping by 2017, Honda will figure out an engine? Well, here's the thing. Sort this out. I mean, basically, Sauber's contract ends in 2017 with Ferrari. So when asked about a possible tie-up between uh, Sauber and Honda, a McLaren source confirmed to Autosport that talks had taken place and admitted it could be a possibility. However, when Autosport spoke to Monisha Kaltenborn about whether or not there had been talks, her response, figure this one out, I have not spoken to Honda, and as far as I know, they have not spoken to me. How do you not know? (laughs) 
I mean, I get that this is the person who didn't realize that she signed up three drivers for two cars. I was just sitting here wondering <laughs> if she was going to sign up two engines for one car. Um, that's, I mean, I've been sitting here trying to figure out, do, do you think that she would have a deal with both Mercedes and Honda to replace the Ferrari engine? Because truly, that's really the only thing that makes any sense. Um, okay, the reason she does not know what is were they, that it the... is possible, it is possible that Monisha Heltonborn has been approached by Honda in disguise. Yeah, well, see, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> the, Maybe she went up to the paddock club to get a drink, and the guy standing next to her was from Honda and said, Hey, Monisha, we'd love to go and supply you with engines in 2017. And she's like, I have no idea who the hell you are. And <laughs> I don't know. No, it's Monisha. She probably said, Yes, great. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm going to leave before I find out who you are. Yeah. <laughs> what was your name again? I mean, <laughs> how do you not know this? Either they did or they didn't. <laughs> Maybe she was hedging lest somebody, you know, that she could claim amnesia. Yeah. Alrighty, so since this is the end of the season. Yes. You know, when we started the season, just before Australia, we, we put together our predictions. And I was right, wasn't I? Sometimes. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> but now is the perfect time for us to go and talk about our predictions and, and how we did and, and where we came out. Okay. Okay. So first one right up the top. The question was, who will win the Drivers' Championships, Lewis or Nico? Lewis. And you got that one. Did you get Lewis? I said Nico, but Lewis will be close. You are wrong. No, I was wrong. Wah, wah. So our next one. I'll pull it up here just so I, I, I've got the official piece. Which team would come in second in the Constructors' Championship? Because we just, I mean, there was no question that it wasn't going to be Mercedes. Do you remember what you said? Probably Williams. You did say Williams, and I said Williams, and we were both wrong. Wah, wah. Ferrari did much better than anybody expected. True, true. But Ferrari also didn't have the pit problems and their own self-induced problems that Williams decided yeah, to have this year. Yeah, that too. So who would be higher in the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull or Ferrari? You said? Red Bull. And I said Ferrari. You got that one. I got that one pretty clearly. So our next one, who will score more points? Because this now we were on a Kvyat slam. <laughs> as, as you remember this one. Who would score more points, Vettel or Kvyat? I said Vettel, you said Vettel. We both got that one. Although I don't think either one of us expected Vettel to come in third. I know. Um, who would be higher in the Constructors' Championship? Force India, Sauber, or McLaren? Oh, I know I lost this one. Yeah. Because I, I, I... You said McLaren, I said Sauber. But Force India beat all three. <laughs> beat them both. So there was that. Um Will Manor Marusha make it to every race this year? I said yes. This one, I think, needs to go out to the judges. Oh, come on. They made it to every race. They didn't race in every race, but they made if it. If you ask Bernie. Oh, but we're not using the Bernie the, Eccleston the Bernie, measure. The Bernie standard was um, 
Yeah, no, no way in hell. Okay, but we don't use the Bernie Eccleston yardstick. We use the, did they show up? I mean, goodness gracious, if you tried to use Bernie's metric, Lotus barely arrived at two races because he had to pay the bill for them. He, yeah. Okay. So, I get that one. All right, so. So, we're tied now, by the way. Oh, at two and two, tracking? we are tied. Will Force India or Sauber survive the season? And you said a yes to Sauber. I said yes, but not past the season. Ooh. So I think arguably we both got, both got it right. But I got a bonus point because of the Aston Martin negotiations <laughs> going on with Force India. <laughs> I get a bonus point there. <laughs> you you want bonus point? Uh -huh. Really? All right. We'll give you half a point for that. So this one was just a general throw out. There was no attribution to anybody for these. What big events will happen this year? So the first one we had was a second team for Honda. That didn't happen. <laughs> but wait. There's a Sauber possibility out there because Monisha doesn't know if she's talked to Honda yet. But Yeah. <laughs> You know, and the thing is, Honda almost got that second team if it wasn't for that <laughs> that Ron Dennis guy. <laughs> it wasn't for this meddling kid. Yeah, if it wasn't for that meddling Ron Dennis, they would have had that. Um, the other thing we had, which turned out to be a non-issue, was Kvyat's future. Yep. And then... Why were we so down on Kvyat at the at because point? Because I didn't think he really deserved to be moved up to the to the big leagues yet. But obviously he did. He did. He was. He ended up the the season three points ahead of Daniel Ricciardo. He's he's definitely proven his value. And the last big event, which we did now, was the Red Bull Renault slap fight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we successfully predicted the slap fight that would last the entire season. No, you're not going faster. No, you're not going faster. No, you're not going faster. Yeah. So that is just about everything we have for the 2015 season. We are going to save our last bit of clips and highlights, one of which has a clip that was promised last week, will come next week, for next week's show, only because we had so much news to talk about this week that I can't imagine we'll have that much to talk about next week and of course now we have homework to figure out what we're going to talk about over the next coming weeks well we've got things to figure out for the next coming weeks we need to work on our predictions for 2016 because as of right now you are a mere half a point ahead of me <laughs> and that that cannot stand <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see how that, that works out I, I think it's still too early to start figuring what the stories might be and start making those predictions. We've got to wait until at least well, we late get, February, early March for that one. we got to get through testing and things like that. But we need to start laying out what our predictions are going to be so that we can uh, go into Australia with good, solid predictions because we have 21 races next year. In theory. To be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. Repeatedly. So... um just a reminder, you'll hear this next week as well. Even though there is no Formula One, with the exception of our winter season break, um, we will be going throughout the year and through the off season with our weekly shows, 
just not always Formula One based, which probably makes Phil really, really happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I that think is we need our, to start exploding. That is our holiday lab. gift to Phil. <laughs> 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 but on that note, we'll call it a show. <laughs> <laughs>